A dear friend and fellow songwriter once told me that the Lord spoke to him and said, Will you be okay to be the hand that writes, even if you're not the voice that sings it? What a powerful thought that God will give songwriters songs, and they might not be the one who sings it, but God has given them a song for a generation. This friend is Matthew Faircloth. He is one of my dearest friends, and he is the guest on today's episode of the Noteworthy Podcast. I'm so excited about this conversation. I know it's going to bless you. Matthew is the AYC Coordinator, Apostolic Youth Corps, for the state of Georgia, and he also serves as youth pastor at the Pentecostals of McDonough in McDonough, Georgia. Matthew is one of my dearest friends. We have the privilege of um, working together at multiple conferences and camps, and God has a mighty calling on his life. I'm so excited about you here in the interview today. On a funny side note, before we jump into the interview, I am currently tucked away into a little corner in my house to record this segment because my son, who is almost two years old, is a drummer. He likes to play drums all the time. And so in order for you not to hear the constant snare of the drum beat that I hear every day of my life, I slipped back into this corner uh, to record this segment without the drum beat in the background. My point to tell you is that uh, sometimes when God calls you to do something and when you uh, are a creative and you're trying to create something that's meaningful, you have to get creative with how to make it happen because sometimes it won't happen naturally. Sometimes you have to make it happen. And so you guys have been such amazing supporters of this podcast. I try to never miss a week unless I absolutely have to. But that being said, you can have time for your family. You can do what God has called you to do and you can still be a creative, but you've got to kind of work with it sometimes and make it happen. And if you'll do that, I promise you, you can do more with God's help than you could ever do on your own. So sometimes life is like that funny story. When I started this podcast, um, I was so excited and ambitious to start it that I did my first episode with before I purchased a microphone. Uh, probably not the smartest idea for all of you podcasters listening out there, but I was so excited to get started that I just jumped in. And then the funny thing was that the next week I was able to schedule an interview with Mark Lee from third day who was like a guitar hero of mine i'm a guitar nerd so um, third day has some of the greatest guitar solos of all time and i was going to get to sit down with him and talk about his journey of being in third day which by the way that's episode number two you can go back and listen to it if you missed it uh but the funny thing was i was so ambitious i scheduled that interview and totally forgot that i don't even have a microphone so when i interviewed mark lee um, the day before i was running around like a madman trying to get an emergency microphone to record that conversation so guys don't be discouraged if you've got a dream and something that you want to do sometimes you just have to jump in and make it happen and god will help you along the way Anyways, you're not here to hear me. You're here to hear Matthew Faircloth. He's the guest of the day. I love you, Matt. Thanks for being on the show. You guys enjoy. Let's go. 
All right, I am here with my good friend Matthew Faircloth, and to paint the picture for you, we are it's actually pretty late at night, and we are in my living room, and we just had an incredible songwriting session, and Matthew is a great friend of mine. We get to work together all the time in the Georgia District. Matthew, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good. You feeling good? Yeah. Thank you for... Uh, I got to say thank you for doing this tonight because he's definitely put in uh, the hours. He's We've been working on this song for a couple of hours now, and so thank you for taking time to do this tonight. Um Tell us a little bit about uh, just your church and where you're at in Georgia. For those that might not know you, what is it that you do here in Georgia? So I live in McDonough, Georgia, and um, I'm the student pastor at the Pentecostals of McDonough. And uh, I also do uh, music ministry there as well as a bunch of other things. So I'm kind of a jack of all trades, hopefully not master of none, (laughs) but uh, I just like to be involved in as much as I can. Right. Well, Matthew always does that. He always jumps in wherever is needed. Um, But I want to kind of start us off. I want to talk a little bit about um, your new song, uh, because we have a lot of musicians and songwriters that listen to the show. And since I have the honor of sitting with the songwriter tonight, I wanted to kind of hit on this for a moment. Uh, But you have a, a new song. I don't know how new it is. I think it's pretty new. Um, But it's called You're With Us. And... Rachel and I are actually going to be recording it in January, and Matthew has been so kind to collaborate with us, and we've basically just been kind of uh, co-writing. He wrote all these amazing lyrics, and then we've been kind of co-writing how we wanted the music to work for the studio. Tell us a little bit about this song called You're With Us, and what does your songwriting process usually look like? So, first of all, I want to say thank you um, for the opportunity for this song to to reach people. Oh, when I wrote it, I I had no intention and no idea about what it would where it would go, but uh, I'm excited about what God's going to do with it. It's an honor, man. But my um my songwriting process is fairly new. I'm a novice at best. Um, I wrote "You're With Us" earlier this year. <clears throat> it was the second song that I wrote after getting back into songwriting after probably five or six years. Wow. And that was in response to, one, I just, I saw all the amazing uh, apostolic songwriters out there getting their stuff out there, and it's been such a blessing to the church. And so I kind of, but by seeing that and just in prayer, felt God lead me back to songwriting. Um, But You're With Us was different than any other song I've written because... Um, I had this melody in my head and four words, Jesus, you're with us. Wow. And um, I knew I wanted to write something upbeat. Um, and when I sat down with it and kind of did the chords and the music, it all came together so quickly. I probably wrote the whole thing in like 30 minutes. That's awesome, man. And uh, I realized it was something that was catchy, that was upbeat, that would get stuck in people's minds. And so uh, I thought about that when the lyrics were being written. You know, I want to make sure that it was something that was good to be stuck in people's minds. Right. And I think the message of the song is is exactly what we need to be singing throughout our day, that he's with us. Amen. Um, 
So tell me about tell me about your process when you sit down to write. What does that start? Is it just a blank sheet of paper or do you have something already before you sit down? How does that work for you? Uh, I think each song has been different. In my whole life, I've probably written like 10 or 11 songs. Not all of them are good, and some of them will never be shared. <laughs> we, we've all written some bad songs. <laughs> I know I've written many of them. Yeah, but I've actually written about, I've written four this year, um, and all, all seem to be, you know, decent. Uh, and then I actually have one song right now that I have all the melody to, I have all the music to, just no words. And so that's kind of been different. But uh, my point being that there's really no process that I've found for each song. Um, one song I know okay. yeah. that my um, I talked to our youth choir earlier this year, and they did it, and it's an awesome song. Uh, it came from a prayer meeting. I was in prayer meeting, and the and the lyrics came first. And I just went and grabbed a piece of paper and wrote them down, and then just kind of put some music to it. And it's not very um, complex, um, but it just kind of was on my heart at the time. And so... I'm still figuring out that process as a writer. Right, yeah. And um, it's been fun. You know, it's funny how different artists write in different ways. Um, That's one of the things I loved about the Battle Cry Tour with Court Chavis and Brittany Scott and James Wilson Mm -hmm. is uh, in the VIP session, people got to ask about how they write. And they all wrote in different ways. Um, But one thing that God is opening up to my heart in this season is that it is so special to write with other people like i i mm-hmm. i can't explain how special this is that we're sitting here in our living room uh you know this is an audio podcast so you can't see anything but we're literally sitting in our living room and there's a couch and a couple leather chairs and a piano just sitting in the middle of it and we just we're all sitting around and getting to make music together what a what an amazing thing that we get like how special is that that we get to do that together and we get to be a part of that and so uh collaborating with other people uh is very exciting it's like it's something new that i'm experiencing i'm working on a couple things with frankie taylor right now as well and so it's cool it's like god is connecting all of us and uh, we've gotten to do stuff like that with, with Brittany Scott and other people just get to talk about songs and what we want to do. And so that's a special part of ministry to get to do this together. It's kind of like when preachers get to go preach camps together. <laughs> like for a musician, that's when you get to sit down and write that song that's going to reach people uh, all over the world. So yeah. uh, Matthew and I get to do a lot of conferences together. Um, they have a big conference at their church every year called Renew, Refresh, Refocus. Um, it's one of the greatest conferences on the planet. You need to plan to be there. I think it's Brother Wayne Huntley this year. Or it's next year, January, mm-hmm. right? Um, Brother Wayne Huntley, is it Brother Kleindance? Brother Kleindance and Mark Foster. Wow. Yeah. So you're going to want to be at that. But we get to play at camps and things like that. We're actually... Um, playing, we're singing together at Extreme tomorrow night, Extreme Weekend. So that's going to be really special. But uh, Matthew, what as a church musician, what advice would you have for musicians that are just learning how to play with a live band? Because I know that a lot of people they learn by themselves in their bedroom or in their living room, you know, and they haven't had the opportunity to play with other musicians. 
how is that adjusting to playing with live bands? Because you you play with different musicians from all over the state. So what's that experience like, and how do you how do you operate in that? And what advice would you have for people trying to do that? So I love playing with a full band. Um, for a long time at our church, um, we had limited musicians, and so sometimes it was just piano and drums or piano, bass, and drums. So anytime I get to play with multiple instruments, it's like an exciting thing. Sure. But just some practical advice uh, when you're practicing. One is even at home by yourself, and I tell my piano students this, always practice with a metronome because a metronome is is going to bring the band together if you're on the same timing. And so that will just prepare you um, to get used to playing with a tempo. Sure. Um, and then just practice as much as you can together in your local church. I know that sometimes when you're playing at camps or conferences, practice time is limited. But um, the more you can practice together, the more that you can kind of mesh and learn each other uh, as a band. And that really helps. And then uh, if you're playing in a, in a conference setting or a camp setting, with other musicians that maybe you haven't played with before. Um, my one piece of advice is uh, just to kind of um, be yourself and don't put too much pressure on yourself, uh, but also stay in your lane. <laughs> That's kind of my motto. Right. right. Uh, you know, if you're the band leader and they've asked you to lead the band, then be okay with that and take the initiative and be the leader. But if you're not the band leader, then take direction and, um, and submit That's to good. whoever it That's is. Good That's advice. just a good practice all around. That's really good advice, and some people struggle with that. I haven't, I haven't ran into a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- thank God, I've been involved with teams that seem to work really well together. Yeah. But I have heard some nightmare stories of people that, <laughs> that tried to work together, and it just didn't work out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> at NAYC, there were thirteen singers and I think eight musicians, and Rachel and I just thanked God every day that we loved every single one of them Mm -hmm. because you spend so much time with these people. You know, you're spending so much time with the people that you're ministering with that it makes a difference when you connect together. And the number one one way to connect in that setting is to be teachable. Mm -hmm. You know, if you if you walk into a room and you feel like you know everything, it's it's probably not gonna go well and you're probably not gonna learn anything either. So you you'll lose in that situation as well. But um speaking of NAYC, you actually uh played piano for Justin Kamlick in the talent search. Uh that must have been a pretty cool experience. What was that like for you? It was really cool. It was very surreal because you got to um, see behind the scenes a little bit. Did you use in-ears or did you use a monitor? I did not use in-ears. I could have, but I didn't bring mine. I left them at the hotel. <laughs> and I meant to bring them in case I needed them. And then It's like, it's in AYC. Oh, whatever. <laughs> I'll just, I don't even need my in-ears. Yeah. <laughs> I like to make things as hard as possible right. you and know, be stressed out. I'll just save those for home. Yeah. I probably won't use them anyway. <laughs> uh, but so with that in mind, I was actually was really nervous up until the sound check because okay. I had no idea what it was going to sound like. Mm-hmm. I was like, can I hear myself? Can I hear Justin? But once we did the sound check, it was fine. I was able to hear. Now, the, you know, the echo and all that stuff is definitely took to get used to. But Did you notice the echo like on his voice? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's an insane echo, but when you have everything going at the same time, mm-hmm. it literally just all mushes together, yeah. and it's all bouncing everywhere. Fortunately for us, it was just us two, so that right. was, uh, it was easy to, to, to 
play without in-ears. It, but, um, it probably sounded pretty beautiful when you hit the keys with it being a solo instrument like that mm-hmm. in a stadium, reverberating through yeah. that stadium. Uh, Rachel and I slipped out of music practice to catch it, and you guys just did uh, an incredible job. Yeah. It was it was Thank amazing. You. He's awesome. Um, but so you serve as our Georgia District AYC director. And not everybody listening might know what AYC is, um, but tell us a little bit about that ministry. First of all, it's an honor uh, and a privilege, I truly mean this, to get to serve with you on the Georgia District Youth Committee, and you're doing an awesome job in that position. We get to sit in uh, meetings together, and so we don't just get to do music ministry together, we get to do student ministry together. And so I kind of want to shift here and talk about that for a minute. Um, but what's your what's your vision for AYC and and what is that ministry? What can people expect when they hear that terminology? So AYC is Apostolic Youth Corps, and it's a, um, a ministry of the UPCI Youth Ministries, and it facilitates taking young adults all around the world and North America on mission trips. And uh, next year. There, there's 20 trips in North America and globally. And so I'm the director for Georgia and just trying to connect Georgia students to the ministry. And so my what I want to see is obviously as many people as possible go on AYC trips. I've been on three mission trips. And I know we use the term life-changing for a lot of things like food that we eat and you know places that we visit. But mission trips are seriously life-changing and I can look at um, things that I'm doing now and confidence that I have and things that God's doing through me and link it back to a moment on an AYC trip and I think everyone needs to experience that and you can't really convey unless you've been on one you don't get it and that's you know and so you have to experience it for yourself but um, if you have thought about doing mission trips or you've been wanting to check out apostolicyouthcore.com. Shameless plug. Um, yeah, go for it. It's not hard to go on a mission trip, and it's not hard to raise the money if if God's called you to do it, and He's working on your heart to do one. He'll make the way, but uh, it will it will stretch you. It will get you out of your comfort zone, and God will use you in ways that you never thought possible. And uh, just one quick story. Um, if you don't mind, yeah, about ahead, AYC yeah, and good. mission trips. Uh, well, relating back to music ministry, you know, I started piano lesson or playing piano when I was six years old, and so had no idea where that would take me. But one of the most incredible moments was in Madagascar when uh, we were doing a street service, and I was playing the piano, and we were just singing a worship song. And during the prayer, they were praying for this blind man who was healed received his sight and i've never seen that in america i mean it happens but i've personally seen that that was the first time i've ever seen blinded eyes open and just kind of where wow. where that took me and then last thing about nyc um oh, take your time you will you will experience something that can't be you can't experience anywhere else and it it opens your worldview and it broadens your horizons and you realize how big the church is and how how important it is to be to remember that you're not the only person in the world serving God. There's literally millions and millions of people 
who are in the same fight you are. Yeah. And we were in uh, Madagascar at the headquarters church on our last Sunday there. And uh, I w- happened to be very sick for three days. <laughs> oh, man. 6,000 or ten, however many thousand miles away from home. I was like really sick for three days. I had to do like a six-hour bus ride through the mountains um, dealing with with nausea. And you can just imagine. But I, we were in the last service and I was still feeling bad. I just wanted to lay down under the pew and go to sleep. But the choir was, the AYC choir was singing. And so we walked to the platform and I got on the keyboard. And when we started playing and singing, immediately I felt better. It was like, it's a, it's like God takes it away when the anointing comes and, and allows you to feel better. But it was one of the most incredible moments of my life because we were singing um, Agnes Day, mm-hmm. which I love that song anyway. It's a heaven song in my mind because right. it's one of those songs we're going to take to heaven with us. Wow. Um, yeah, so true. But uh, we were singing it in English, obviously, because we were a bunch of Americans singing in English. Well, we have learned the chorus um, in Malagasy, which is their language. And so when we sing, the, start singing the chorus, it starts out hallelujah, which that's the same in every language. Mm-hmm. Okay. But when we got to the next line and we switched to Malagasy. Isn't that cool that the highest praise? Right. The same in every language. Man, yeah. that's powerful. That's I've awesome. never thought about that. But we sing hallelujah and we switched to Malagasy and the people went crazy, like in a good way. Because they weren't, it was like a surprise. They weren't expecting us to know their language. Oh, wow. And they were clapping and cheering and and just worshiping and i was sitting on the platform the keyboard obviously i saw the choir i saw the packed church had a balcony everything and we were all singing a foreign language and worshiping together and it was the closest i think to worship in heaven that i'll ever experience on earth and uh it's those kind of moments that you can experience on the mission field even if you're not called to be a missionary you can still be involved in it and it will change your life forever. So, man, that's a little piece, little piece of heaven right there. Yes, and you get to worship with people. There's something about. Um, I heard somebody say one time that worship is a universal language. Mm-hmm. Is, there's there is no language barrier when we begin to worship. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's something about, uh, and and I've I've been in settings like that where I've. Um, I've I've preached in bilingual churches where I had to have a translator. I've only done that a couple of times, but I'm telling you, when we began to worship and when we went into that altar and began to pray, there was no barrier. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just us and God, and we're speaking in a heavenly language anyways that mm-hmm. uh, none of us know. Right. <laughs> so isn't yeah. that interesting, though, that like... In order to be born again, we have to speak this heavenly language and all the barriers have to be, mm-hmm. even what we think we know, mm-hmm. has to be taken away. It's like we have to enter into this unknown realm, this supernatural realm yeah. for that to happen. That's, a, that's an incredible thing, man. So, so you're a part of AYC, you're coordinating this, you've been on missions trips, and so you know you're you're playing at conferences god is using you in a mighty way but let's let's rewind for just a little bit here because this is where this is where people struggle and this is what i love about the ministry of this podcast is getting to ask ministry whether it's student pastors 
or music ministers or, you know, whatever your ministry is. Because what everybody wants to know is how did you get to that point? You know, it's like we look at people and we say, well, they're doing great things for God. But I think most people had a period in their life where they didn't feel like they were doing great things for God. God was preparing them. There was a, you know, I like to say that God has a waiting room for Mm -hmm. all of us. For every single ministry that is born, there is a waiting room. Mm -hmm. You know, he doesn't just throw us into things. There's a season of, of waiting on God. I think that's why wait on the Lord ministers to people so much because Mm -hmm. every single person has experienced that waiting room. And Mm -hmm. so when we sing wait on the Lord, we're like, we've literally all been there. Mm -hmm. We've all experienced that. Uh, When did you start feeling that call of God on your life, that, that call to ministry and what steps did you begin to take? So anytime someone asks about the call of God, I wish I could tell them that I had this moment where the Lord came down with an army of angels and handed me a scroll, you know, and right. it, had, <laughs> it had his plan laid out. Right. Um, I didn't have that they kind of moment. Split open. Yeah, that's right. I can pinpoint uh, feeling the call of God to a summer when I was turning 14. Um, God just began to deal with me about, about wanting to use me. That's when I felt like he gave me the invitation, gave me the call. But it was it was more of a situation where I told I didn't know exactly what he was calling me to. I just told him anything you want, I'll do it. And it was like a it began my life of just surrender to whatever he wanted. And so that led me to all kinds of opportunities and being used in ministry, which eventually led to music ministry and student ministry. But uh, I just I walked through the doors that God opened, and I faithfully served my local church. That's the two things I think are the most important is um, when God opens a door, walk through it. Um, you know, if you, if you feel like it's a door that God opened right. and with the approval of your, of your leaders and your mentors in your life, but also serve in faithfully in your local church because the day to day serving is in secret is what God rewards. And that's why he opens doors for so you good, because yeah. he can trust you. Right. And so, um, but just for what it looked like, for example, um, music ministry, you know, I've, I've been playing piano since I was six. Um, I didn't start playing in church till I was about 12 or 13. I started on the organ, actually. And I haven't really played the organ in years, but that's how it started, playing in church. And then um, little by little, uh, my pastor's wife, or my current pastor's wife, she wasn't at the time, uh, not yet, but um, she was the main piano player and music minister and she just allowed me to do more and more and I really am thankful for that kind of spirit um, that even though she it was her position and it was her job she wasn't um, she recognized talent and ability and faithfulness and and someone beneath her and allowed me to have the opportunity to to slowly kind of move into that position I think that's important for us to remember as we're looking for the next at the next generation is to recognize that. But I'm thankful for that. But slowly it, it became I would jump on the keyboard at altar call or I would play uh, for youth choir. And so eventually I was playing on Sunday nights and then it changed. I was playing every service and then I was 
leading youth choir and then I was teaching parts and so it just it it slowly unfolded um, but it started by just being faithful in the small things and the same thing happened in student ministry I, I definitely felt a call to, to preach um, around 14 I didn't preach my first message till 18 and I pray that that recording is not anywhere because <laughs> it would probably um, make how can people... I get my hand yeah <laughs> Love I do remember the it was called the purpose for praise, and I'm sure it was a great thought. But it's a great title, yeah. And it probably lasted like three minutes, and I probably had 19 pages of notes. But um, it was the same situation. Uh, my pastor and and my leaders and mentors saw the potential. They saw the 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 God working in my life and gave me little opportunities until it just grew. But I've noticed every op, everything I minister in now. Every way I'm involved in ministry, open when there, because there was a need. Mm-hmm. There was a need, and uh, maybe it wasn't exactly what I wanted to do at the time, but I, I I served where there was a need, and then it led me to where I am now. And so I would say, serve faithfully and start where there's a need. It might not be exactly what you think you want to be doing, um, but if you serve where there's a need, God will lead you to where ultimately you you feel like is the end goal. Yeah. On a, on a leadership note, and this is just, you know, this is a podcast. I try to be really real on this show, but um, anytime somebody approaches me about wanting to be involved, and if I hear the words, you know, I would rather do this, that's a big red flag for mm-hmm. me. And so anytime, you know, well, uh, you know, let's just fill in A and B here, just as an example. So I need you to sing tenor. You know, there's a need. Mm -hmm. I need a tenor. Well, I'd rather play drums. That's it. Okay, so, yeah, that's, okay, that's logical. You have your preferences. You have your desires. But this is the thing about the kingdom of God. None of it is about us. Like, nothing that we do in church is about our preferences it's about what needs to be done so that the body can be strengthened and be bettered and so i i love when you said that because anytime that i see somebody that will commit themselves to the need those are the people that god will use in a mighty way Mm -hmm. you know everybody knows mark brown now because he preached north american youth congress and he's preached general conference but I met Mark Brown years ago when he was delivering bread to people's doorsteps because they they were poor and they needed bread. And he would literally fill his van up with bread and take it to people's houses and say, can I give you a Bible study? I've got free bread. Wow. Because he saw a need and he said, that's where the need is at. And when people chase the need, God will give them the platform because he can trust them with that platform because he knows that the platform is not going to deter them from what they need to do for God. Mm -hmm. And so when people are chasing their preference or a platform, they're no longer worried about what's needed in the body. And so I thank God for people like you uh, and people like my pastor and people like your pastor, Brother Patrick Harvey, we need to get him on the podcast. By the way, I need yes. you. To, I need you to put a word in for me because uh, I need to. I need to talk to him on the show. People 
Oh man, people would love that interview. Yes. I love your pastor. I thank God for him. He's a dear friend of mine. But um, that call of God on our lives that draws us, um, it can put us on a lot of platforms. And so when you mm-hmm. spend a lot of time in front of people, right, embarrassing things are just going to happen. Oh no. <laughs> so I've, <laughs> I've asked this question to quite a few people. Nobody hates me for it yet. But what, what do you think your most embarrassing moment is on a platform? Specifically on a church platform, what would be your most embarrassing moment that you've experienced? <laughs> so j- just because of my personality and my serious lack of any pride, <laughs> I don't really get embarrassed that easily. I mean, everyone has a point. Um, so I, I don't embarrass easily. However, there is this one incident that sticks out in my mind. It was it was more recent than I want to admit. And it was... I was playing at a conference. Was I, I at not, this conference? I will not say... I will not give you any Please details. tell me I was at the conference. <laughs> uh, I was playing at this conference, and um, there was a song. I was playing keys. There was a song that was... It was really new. And... Uh, I'd kind of figured out the skeleton of it, but I didn't have a lead sheet, which I know it's kind of a lame excuse, but uh, it was a complicated... I don't have a lead sheet. (laughs) No, it was a complicated gospel song. And so I didn't have time. Yes, Jesus Loves Me by Judah Frank. (laughs) I didn't have the time or the desire to sit down and figure it out. But there's... Let's face it, I wouldn't have done it anyway. Anyway, so I didn't have a lead sheet. So I was going to fake it till I I made it. Well... I thought I had it worked out, but when we got to so church... So words of advice, just fake it through. Yes. <laughs> You'll be fine. <laughs> Don't take that advice. This is a good example of what not to do. Uh, so I thought I was okay. I thought I could play a skeleton of it and be all right. Then we got in church, and I was completely lost the whole song. It was the most mortifying experience. Now... I could see your face. The reality is... <laughs> Most people in the congregation probably did not know what was going on. They had no idea. However, I had friends in the audience that knew how uncomfortable I was. And this was a a weird night, too. There was a whole lot going on this night, but this was just a cherry on top. So instead of supporting me, they were making, like, faces at me. Oh, no. And, like, laughing and, you know, just kind of just giving me a hard time. But it was the worst 10 minutes of my life. It was a 10-minute song? It, I think it went on. It felt like it went on for 10 minutes. Was this because... the presence of the Lord to see? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Uh, that was just... It was embarrassing in the, in the fact that I felt completely unprepared. I was, I was sweating profusely. I was just mortified. Bro, could you imagine faking it through the presence of the Lord is here? <laughs> There's like four modulations. Yeah, there's no, there's no. It you was, have to fake it through four different keys. Yeah, this was this was worse than that. This was not. It was not coming together. But Man. anyway, I got through it. Um, they haven't asked me to play at that conference. <laughs> that was my last invitation. So, but I'm sure it was completely unrelated. Man, yeah. well, you know, I have found that when we re- reveal the human side of ministry. We're usually able to reach more people because they realize that we are every bit as human as they are. Oh, yes. But um, what advice? I know, goodness, it's getting pretty late. 
and I, I want to be respectful of your time, but uh, any time that I have the, the privilege of interviewing a minister, uh, especially a fellow student pastor, um, what advice would you give to... Uh, I've been wording it this way because of Jack Cunningham's message, Generation Z, which, uh, in other words, the younger generation that you and I are primarily ministering to in this season of our life. You're a youth pastor, I'm a youth pastor. And so God has given us this awesome responsibility to reach young people. We also serve on a district level in student ministry. What could we, what advice would you give them to be apostolic and what areas do we need to work on in this generation? I would encourage them to not be ashamed Mm-hmm. ever that's for good. any reason that's good. because our culture our society the world is not ashamed of their doctrines of their lack of morality right, right. of whatever they're trying to to preach and teach and they they do it openly they do it proudly and i think the church should be the same way um there's no reason why we shouldn't be uh, proud to pray in public or right. to to live holy or to believe in the principles of the bible and so don't be intimidated by our culture. But also um, remember that it's easy to look at our culture going so far and just wanting to, you know, well, just let them do what they want to and I'm just going to live in my bubble. We still have to reach them. And so never be rude or, or harsh, but don't be ashamed. Right. You know? Just don't be intimidated. And, um, and also this... This has kind of helped me as a teenager. <clears throat> so this is what I would say to any any young person: don't forget where your help is, and where, and don't ever forget your relationship with the house of God. Mm. Even if you mess up, even if you make mistakes, right? Because you're going to. Even if you even if you rebel and you walk away and you know uh, what you're doing is wrong, always find your way back to the house of God because. Amen. You know, if you give, let's say you give in a temptation, or you're you're struggling, or you're going through a hard time, and you're not doing everything right, look at your options. You can either go back to the house of God, repent, and and find the only place where there's an answer, the only place we have hope, right. or you could quit and and be lost. And so when you narrow it down to just those, that's literally your only two options. You know, I don't care if you've failed a thousand times. Your your hope is in Jesus alone. Right. Just go back to Him. Always, always remember to go back to the Lord when you make mistakes. That would be my advice to this generation. Man, that's so good. That's so important. Uh, you know, in student ministry, we see that over and over again, where you invest in people and then you see them make a mistake and then they think that that mistake has pushed them so far from God that they can never come back but what what an amazing thing to leave them with that you need to go go back to the house of God go connect with your pastor and watch God begin to move in your life man I'd like you to um, just close us out in prayer if we could pray together and I just want to pray for our listeners and I also just want us to pray for our district you know you and I have the privilege of getting to serve the, this great Georgia district and we're going to be serving you know tomorrow night on a platform together uh, at our extreme 
Youth Weekend. And so would you just lead us in prayer and close us out tonight? Jesus, I ask that you would touch every single person, God, that's listening to this podcast right now, that you would let your kingdom be established, God, on earth as it is in heaven, that you would give us boldness, Lord, as a church of the living God to go forth into this world and do what you've called us to do. I ask you to anoint us, God, because it's the anointing that breaks the yoke, God. We surrender our talents. We surrender our gifts. We surrender our will and our abilities to you, God, to be anointed by you, that it can make a difference in our world. I ask you to touch the students of Georgia, God, put a desire in them to give themselves wholly to you, God, and to do what you've called them to do. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, I love you so much, man. I thank God for your friendship. I'm a little emotional tonight. I'm just, <laughs> I'm very thankful for you. The listeners know I'm emotional, but I love you, man. Thank you for taking your evening. Thank you for the songwriting session. Thank you for the podcast episode. And I love you, man. For, for you guys listening, you're going to be hearing... Matthew's song in just the next few months in the very near future and Rachel and I could not be more honored to be connected to this great man we love you man love you man thanks